This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody, to the Holland Assets Podcast. I am Craig. He is... Chris. Chris in, in studio. The yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris in the corner. So today, episode 54, we are doing a year in review. Okay, so a year in review, meaning, Chris, you've been on the road for a year. Over a year. It's crazy to oh think it's been that long. Goodness. All right. Time so flies when you're having fun. We've actually been doing this podcast for a little over a year, yeah, right? Probably like 15, 16 months now yeah. at this point. And so you've been on the road now for a year, and we're going to be talking about your uh, your experience overall, and especially digging into the numbers, uh, how much money you made, how you made that money, and kind of a greatest hits from the last year's worth of podcasts and how this all went. So as we get into this, I do want to uh, give a little warning, a little PSA for the people, Chris. <laughs> yeah, good, it's, it's always good to warn the people. Yeah. So this is going to be probably a little bit longer and more involved episode than we normally do. Usually we're, you know, 30, 40 minutes maybe. Um, I suspect that we could go a little bit longer. So hang in there. Uh, but there is going to be a lot of good stuff in this one. I think uh, this is going to be a great overview Either a reminder, if you've been with us for a while, of some of the stuff that Chris has gone through. Uh, repetition is a good thing in this case. We want to learn these lessons over and over again. Or if you're brand new to the podcast, uh, somebody has referred you here or you found us online somewhere, then this is going to be an excellent episode to jump in as your number one. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good starting point. And then we, what we'd kind of recommend after they've listened to it you know, listen to this episode. If it's your first one, go back and listen to all the episodes kind of in order. That's really how this podcast is meant to be listened to. So you can, you know, learn and, and hopefully uh, get some really good information out of it and uh, just start at episode number one after you listen to this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, there's kind of a, a dual purpose with this podcast. The first thing is to teach all the principles that you go through, Chris, and you know, how to read a PL and how to, uh, you know, deal with brokers or whatever the subject may be but it's also following your journey it's a whole story uh, is, of, yeah. of how a trucking company gets started and so it's really valuable to go through it in order all right so chris let's talk about your first year where do you want to start with this subject um you know it's 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 just been a, a an interesting exciting year and and you know a lot of people ask me well why the heck is it that you've done this or what's been the most exciting piece of it and really for me I've been in the trucking industry for 15 years, been helping people start trucking companies for over a decade. And so just actually being able to go out there, experience and and do it, kind of um, put my my money where my mouth is and 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 really make things happen has just been a really exciting experience for me. You know, I've I've heard over the years from the guys that have said there's no way you can make money as an owner operator to the guys that say they make ha money hand over fist as an owner operator. So me actually being able to do it myself and run the business the way that I feel like it should be run using my decades worth of, you know, owning and running multiple businesses using that experience and actually doing it has just been, it's been a fascinating process. I've learned a ton and hopefully, you know, really the, the purpose is to enlighten people and show them the process and, and then, you know, help them make the decision whether they would want to do that for themselves or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with somebody in that situation, an owner operator, their single most valuable skill is going to be the fact that they can drive a truck. But they also need to add on to that all these business skills that you're talking about. It's the same with any other 
any other business, right? Yeah. A, a dentist is a dentist, but if he wants to own his own practice, then he's going to need to learn how to run a business. Uh, kind of a similar thing here. So basically in this first year, you've laid out a blueprint for how this, I, I don't know, should go, could go. How would you put it? I, I would say for the most part, how it should go. And and you can learn from you know some of the things I've done well. You can learn from some of the mistakes I've made and, and hopefully be able to replicate it. And I, you know, I really truly feel like there is no reason anyone else can't follow that blueprint, that plan and be as successful as I have. And in fact, I think there's a lot of reasons why most guys should be able to be more successful than I have been. And we'll talk about that through throughout some of this episode. Yeah, I mean, and this is going to be a fun episode. Like I said, it could be a little bit long one, <laughs> but it's going to be a best of. You've learned a lot of lessons. You've gone through a lot of things in 53 episodes, including the stuff before you ever hit the road. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And like you said, it's going to be a little bit long, but it's 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 hard to be brief when you're covering a whole year's worth of experiences and things that we've done. You know, we we're going to talk a little bit about the startup process, you know, because that's what this podcast series really follows the whole startup all the way through the first year of operations. And and we're continuing to provide new episodes as and new experiences and new lessons as, as time goes on. And you know, we hope to be able to do that, uh, continue to do that for a long time in the future. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I, I hope we do. So Chris, tell me a little bit about why you wanted to do this podcast. What what brought it to mind for you? Well, the whole reason is is basically because of these experiences I've had over the last little while. You know, I've I've been helping guys start trucking companies for for over a decade. And really in the past, we've just focused on, you know, helping them get their licensing, helping them get a business set up. Um, help them, helping them stay in compliance with the DOT regulations. And I've seen over the years, some guys be very successful at it. And I've seen other guys struggle with it. And, and typically when I've seen the guys that have struggled, it's because they don't understand the business side. You know, you, you talk about the term owner operator, you know, I, I really like that term and we'll talk a little bit more about it because there are, you know, you're talking about one person with two very different skill sets. You've got the owner who needs to have the skill sets of a business owner. And then you have the operator that needs to have the skill sets of a driver. Well, most guys have a very good skill set with as far as a driver goes, but they don't really have the skill set of an owner. And so I, I had this idea that I could teach people how to be an owner through this podcast and really show them the, the things they need to be thinking about and doing as they make good business decisions. You know, we've talked a lot about over the, the last year, the, the need to change your mindset from that of a, a driver to an owner. And that's really a, a big part of what this podcast is about is really showing those skills and, and teaching those skills that you need to be a good business owner. You know, if we made Holland Assets t-shirts, that would be one of the t-shirts would be change your mindset, right? It, this it is one of the things you harp on all the time. All the time. Yep. Yeah. The other Absolutely. one would be save your money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So there are, and you went to one of these, there are schools that people can go to, to learn how to drive a truck, right? Start yep. the process of learning how to drive. I didn't have a CDL before I got started. So yeah, I had to go through that CDL school. Which I'm sure would blow some people's minds, you yeah. know, starting a trucking company without a CDL. So, but there aren't... Are there? Are there, I mean, there's business schools out there where you can go to learn this other stuff, but there's not like a, a night school that you can just go pick up all this uh, this business stuff. Is there? No, there's not. There. I mean, like like you said, there obviously there's colleges and universities and things like that that focus on the business side of things. But in reality, for most guys, that's not going to help out a whole lot because it's it's very general stuff. Whereas this podcast is specific, so specific to 
the business practices that you need to to understand and and use as an owner operator in a trucking company. And so we, we that, that's really what we're focusing in on. And and so I, I think it's something that anybody can learn how to do. It just takes a little bit of uh, discipline and and repetition and and uh, just you know taking some time to really think through some of these things that we talk about. Yeah, I mean, we really covered a lot of uh, a lot of valuable information over the last year. So of this whole process, what's been your favorite part? And you can define favorite however you would like. Uh, you know, that's a really good question. It, it's all been a lot of fun, but probably the most exciting thing for me, and a lot of this probably has to do with my personality, was really the startup phase. Um, who doesn't want to go out and buy a $60,000 truck and Ooh, just kind of... <laughs> I'm raising <laughs> my hand right now. You're literally raising your hand. Yeah. <laughs> who who doesn't want to do that? And it's it's a ton of fun. It's it's really exciting because you're starting something new. You're you're kind of fulfilling a dream to a great extent. And it, it's really probably the the part that I enjoyed the most. It's it's a lot of excitement. Yeah, you. Uh, it's the honeymoon phase, right? You yeah, want that, absolutely. You want that excitement. You're out there, and and it is exciting to have that brand new experience. And uh, it, you know, it, it would make a lot of people debilitatingly nervous, right, to do that. They they couldn't function. But some people thrive on that, and that's that mindset that you're talking about. Is can you thrive on that pressure that, uh, you know, that, that honeymoon phase? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a lot of pressure, but it's a lot of fun too. But the question is, if we follow the analogy here, Chris, can you build a marriage out of it? You know, can you make it last? Right. This is like any other major life decision, right? If, we, uh, if we're talking about a marriage or starting a business, it's something, you're not going into it completely blind, right? You, you do have some idea of what awaits you, but there's a leap of faith element to it. You can't know everything that's going to happen down the road, so to speak, on a trucking podcast. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's you have to have grit and determination. You have to have a willingness to learn, you know, a certain degree of humility going into something like this uh, if you're going to make it last, right? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really, really good analogy because, you know, just like a honeymoon is, you know, you're kind of... Um, stepping off that marriage and you know, you're, you're, you're spending time together, you're focusing on each other, you're really starting to build that foundation. Um, and, and that's what a honeymoon's all about. And it's the same thing with the startup phase. You're, you're building that foundation so that your, your company can be successful later on down the road. You're buying the right truck, you're buying the right equipment. You know, those you're getting a CDL, Chris. You're, you're getting a CDL. <laughs> you're doing all that due diligence, all that important stuff up front that is really going to have a big, big impact later on down the road. If you buy the wrong truck, the it, it makes it that much harder to be successful in the company. If you um, buy the wrong van or you don't find the right load matching system, or you know, there's a million things that you can do wrong in that startup phase. That's that's going to make it make or break you later on down the road. And so. It's just, it's a really, really fun time because you're making all those decisions and uh, it, it's its important that you make the right ones. All right. Well, let's let's talk about that honeymoon phase then for a second, Chris, <laughs> and uh, this startup phase that you found so exciting. One of the most exciting things is paying for the whole dang yeah, thing, right? Yeah. Honeymoons aren't cheap, right? Neither <laughs> starting up a company. <laughs> How much did it cost you all in to get started on this? It was $29,893.50. and fifty cents. <laughs> you just spoken, laugh. <laughs> spoken like a man who runs his life through spreadsheets right you know down to the cent how much it costs you that's fantastic uh okay so i'm gonna go ahead and say 30 grand because yeah. i'm a simple man you're, you, you you're rounding up i like the simple numbers chris uh all right so it costs you about 
30 grand to get started would you say that that's high low average uh, what could somebody what can somebody expect and we talk about this we have one episode that that talks strictly about the startup cost piece um, but I would say it's a little high um, there's a lot of costs that I had to incur um, starting my own trucking company because you were of, so new to it I was so new I, I mean I was literally starting from scratch so most guys like for instance I had to buy a bunch of tools for the truck I had to buy a bunch of you know, stuff like that, that a lot of guys just aren't going to have to, to buy. Plus, because I, I hadn't, um, had no experience in trucking, you know, getting the loan for the truck was harder. I had to put more of a down payment down, you know, same thing with my down payment on insurance, because as a, you know, brand new driver, it was a little bit higher than it probably will be for most people. And, you know, a lot of guys are going to jump in from being a leased on owner operator where they already have their truck. And that's huge. I mean, that's a big part of the cost. And so, um, mine was, was high. Uh, and, and we talked a little bit about in that episode where there was, remember kind of a best case scenario. Yep. Yep. What, if, what was that cost? On? It was a little bit closer to $10,000. Oh, that's so a lot a lower lo- than a lot 30. Lower. Yeah. So it's for most guys, it's going to be somewhere in the middle of that, you know, probably closer to that 10,000. I, I would guess most guys are going to be somewhere between, between 10 and 20,000. But the nice thing is, is on motor carrier HQ, um, on that, that website, so motorcarrierhq.com, mm-hmm. we have a tool that can help guys calculate what they think their startup cost is going to be. It's a startup calculator, super helpful. And so anybody can kind of go in there and, and use that to estimate uh, what they think it'll cost them to start up. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, so let's start talking about when you actually got on the road. Okay. So you paid your 30 grand or, you know, hopefully less if you're somebody else, uh, but you finally got out on the road. What were your favorite experiences, your highlights from your first little bit on the road? Oh man, that's a good question. That's, you know, thinking, thinking back about that, you know, one of the most exciting things that happened was really kind of getting that, uh, that very first load, um, it, it, it was just awesome. You, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, of one of my favorite movies, the the original Ghostbusters. You remember that one? <laughs> the uh, second greatest comedy of all time. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> the second greatest. So that what's the first greatest? Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those are both some pretty good movies. I need to go back and watch those. It's been a while. Uh, but, yeah. Okay. Ghostbusters. Uh, all right. All right. You remember the scene where the secretary answers the phone and she gets the the first call out and screams, "We got one!" <laughs> yes. Yeah, all yeah. excited. Um, the guy is Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. What, what was the other guy's name? Harold Ramis. Oh yeah, yeah, him. Um, they were all sitting around the table eating, and then the alarm goes off because she hits the alarm thing, and then just all hell breaks loose. And and that's kind of how I felt when when Jake let me know that I got my first load. I you know I, I was prepared. Also, were be, you like Bill Murray? You showed up pretending like you knew what you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what happened. That makes me laugh. Yeah, uh, fake it till you make it, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you know they they I, I had my bags all packed. I was ready to go, uh, but I almost forgot the keys to the truck. <laughs> I, I think I'd forgotten how to drive the truck. I mean, I, I didn't have a whole lot of experience at that point anyway, but uh, yeah, just every everything kind of went out of my mind. It was just exciting. It was incredible. Um, You're like a kid a on your first day of school. Absolutely. Probably probably more like a kid at Christmas. So what, what happened when you got to the shippers? Oh yeah, that's, that's when things really started to get bad. <laughs> the, the euphoria <laughs> didn't last for too long. When I say they started to get bad, it was just kind of, you know, I was like the Bill Murray trying to pretend like I knew what the heck I was doing. So I, like, I'd never even walked into a, into a shipper and say, Hey, I'm ready to pick up a load. So I, like, I've got Jake on, uh, on my headset, like whispering my ear what to do and what to say. And, 
and you know kind of faking it i like and and this place required that you had to slide your tandems to the rear which i did had no idea how whatever that means yeah you don't know either but i um jake had to walk me through how to do that and so it was just a comedy of errors and then icing on the cake it took them 13 hours to get me loaded, <laughs> which I still think is, is my a record. record. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever, like, I don't think I've even had anything more than seven hours. Now, is that because at that point you didn't know how to uh, browbeat them into getting your truck loaded? <laughs> I guess not. Apparently, I didn't, I didn't have that one figured out yet. That's amazing. Was that the, was that the trip? Was that your very first trip when you got hit by a deer? I didn't get hit by a deer. Yeah. The, or I... The deer hit me. That's I right. didn't hit the deer. Yeah. yeah we got to clarify that. But it was a different trip? It, no, that was the same trip. Same so that trip. was on the way back. So I, I delivered the, the first load, delivered down into um, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I picked up another load that was coming back in, back into the Utah area. And on my way back is when the, the deer decided to be a linebacker and ran right into the side of the truck. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is your very first trip, 13-hour load time, linebacker deer. Yeah. Uh, and... I assume it's at this point that the uh, honeymoon phase started to fade just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. And then, you know, icing on the cake a few loads later is when I ran over the can of spray paint and painted the side of my truck orange. So yeah, good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's see. How much was the repair on the deer again? It, it was about two grand. Oh. Could have been worse. I mean, <laughs> you know. And did you uh, did you get that taken care of right away? Um, no, it took uh, it probably took almost a month before we actually finally got it fixed. Man, that's crazy. So yeah, yeah. bit of a roller coaster ride on that first uh, week it on was, the road. Right, it was an emotional roller coaster. That's for sure. You know, and that's and to be honest with you, I mean, that's kind of one of the things that you have to be prepared for from being day one. The and being an owner operator is an emotional roller coaster. You're going to go from one day being super excited because you just had your best month in profits ever. And you know, those profits are all yours and not somebody else's. And, you know, this is a new thing. This is exciting. It's cool. And then, you know, the very next day, the reefer is going to break down in the middle of a run of <laughs> frozen food. And you're going to have to deal with that. You know, it's it just that kind of thing happens. And you just, you have to go into it knowing that you're going to get stressed out and you're probably going to be more stressed than you ever have been in your whole life. And you just, you just have to know that that's part of the game. But it, it's it's what you have to do. And if you don't handle stress well and, and you can't work through it, being an owner operator probably is not for you because it's there's no way of getting around it. You're going to get stressed. Well, don't oversell it, Chris. Well, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to paint a true picture here. It's it's stressful, but like with most good things in life, there's a, a price you have to pay and there's a price you have to pay to be successful. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And there are costs to being successful. It costs money. It costs time. It costs a lot of days of stress. And that's just part of part of it. You just you really honestly can't get around it. Well, okay, because I'm the analogy man here, right? Now we've moved past the marriage analogy first comes marriage then comes kids right and this this <laughs> the sounds baby like in the baby carriage isn't that how it <laughs> exactly <goes? laughs> yeah this sounds a lot like having kids when you say you know i am just trying to paint a good picture of it that reminds me a lot of uh you know i've got a couple of kids and, and people will come to me and say i'm about to have my first kid what can i expect and the thing i always come to is you know i don't want to I don't want to paint a, paint a false picture. Oh, it's not going to be all sunshine and roses every day. You're going to lose sleep and it's going to be delightful and cute and all that stuff. And so what I tell them is everything you've ever heard about being a parent is true. All of it, <laughs> you know, right. I, so I just imagine in the case of a trucking company, 
it's it's kind of a similar thing everything you've heard is true it's stressful it's rewarding it's delightful it's frustrating it's all of these things and so you just have to come to the conclusion of whether the reward the potential reward is worth the price that you'll have to pay. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you see this, you see both sides of that, you know, just kind of like with raising kids, you, you hear both sides of it, all of it's true. And, and the same thing applies a lot into, into trucking and being an owner operator. You look at, you know, some of the comment boards and websites, including our website and our Facebook page and other ones that deal with this topic. You hear both sides of it. People saying it's the worst thing in the world and other people saying it's the best thing in the world. And, and both sides, there's some truth to it. It's, it is it is hard and is difficult. Some people handle that better than others, and but there's also good and and exciting things that happen. And and you know you, you it, it, a lot of it's true. All of it's probably true to a certain extent. And you know you just have to always make the decision that's right and best for you. And so for most people, I don't, I don't know. Would you say for most people it's going to be a good decision, or are you, would you say that it's uh, you know it's going to take a special kind of person to have this right mindset? I think for to a great extent, it does take a special kind of person. I, I I believe anybody can do it, but that doesn't necessarily that means anybody should do it. I mean, it, it, it's a very personal decision, and it's one of those things that you you have to look at the pros and cons. You know, we I've, I've talked about there's a price for it that you have to pay through the you know financial costs, mental costs, and you have to decide is that price that you have to pay worth it for you. Yeah. And for some people it's going to be and for others it's not. And would would somebody going into this expect to see, you know, we talk about yes, there's a lot of stress, but hey, there's a lot of potential upside to it, a lot of potential reward to this. Uh, how soon does that reward start to kick in? I mean, are you going to see a jump in your lifestyle if you go from an, an employee driver to an owner operator? Are you immediately going to be like, oh, finally, I can afford that house or whatever? You know, that's a that's a really good question. And and probably what I would say is for most people, starting a, a, a trucking company is probably not going to provide an immediate improvement in their lifestyle. You know, it, it takes some time for that to happen. I'll use myself as an example. So when my dad and I first bought Motor Carrier HQ about 10 years ago, um, my lifestyle did not see much of a difference for about the first three years. I, I paid myself the same that I was earning before. You know, luckily, we, we bought a business that was existing. I, I made some improvements to it and inefficiencies. And so I was, I was able to pay myself about the same salary I was paying before, which it wasn't by any means an, an elaborate. Yeah, no, it was like a very, you know, a meager, I wouldn't say meager, but it, a livable salary, a livable wage, but it was definitely not flashy or anything like that. I mean, at that point in my life, my wife and I were living in our first um, fourplex that we'd bought. So instead of buying a house, we bought a fourplex, lived in one unit, rented out the rest. So we, we were paying rent like anybody else would, but it definitely wasn't as much money as you would pay for a mortgage. So we were saving some money there um, and, and we were living pretty frugally. And and during that, you know, that, that period of about three years, um, I really felt like I was building a solid foundation. And that was really one of my keys to success later on down the road is we weren't taking a lot of money out of the business for that three years. In fact, we really weren't taking much at all. And once that was built, I was able to get to the point that I had enough money coming in that I was still able to continue to reinvest some money in the business and keep some money in it to keep it growing. But then at that point, I was also able to start paying myself a little bit more and 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 living um, a little bit better. And, and with that being said, I, I still 
didn't live an ex- extremely extravagant lifestyle. I, I still don't. I like to put a lot, keep a lot of money, money in my businesses and, and keep them growing. But as they grow and as those, that money that you've reinvested um, starts to, you know, do its thing, it, it makes it easier for you to take money out and still continue that growth pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to build a foundation and then reap the rewards later. Yeah. It's, so what you're saying is you practice what you preach or maybe more accurately for you now on this podcast is you're preaching what you practiced. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I, f- I feel like that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, I've, I've always been disciplined with my money, disciplined with my personal finances so that the, my personal finances aren't a drain on the business. And over time, it, it, it's created this little machine that, that does a really good job of um, kind of building wealth and, and building a good lifestyle. And, and, but it, it's taken time and it's taken discipline. It's taken some sacrifices. It's, it just hasn't happened overnight. You know, most businesses and trucking certainly like this. It's, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It takes time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's a kind of a general, uh, entrepreneur's mindset, but how does that translate then to the specific case of an owner operator? What, what lessons do we take out there? Great question. So with Holland Assets, as I was driving, you know, for the first year, I paid myself what I considered. I did a bunch of research on driver wages and paid myself what most drivers would earn, which is I paid myself 42 cents a mile. And and it doesn't have to be 42 cents a mile. It can be somewhere in that range between 40 and 50 cents. So, you know, me being a brand new driver with no experience, you know, I'd, I'd probably be lucky to get a 42 cent a mile job. So that that's what I paid myself. And I didn't, pay myself any more from Holland assets for that entire year. I just paid myself that. And I really think that's a key to success for any owner operator. When you're starting your own trucking company is you don't pay yourself any more than what you were earning at your last job. If you can pay yourself less, even better. But, uh, if you just pay yourself that driver wage and then the profits and everything else that's left over, you're going to, you're going to be building that foundation. You're going to be saving some money. So you've got a slush fund for when emergencies happen. And then if you want to continue to grow, you're going to keep saving money that you can, that you can put back into the business and, and use for growth. Okay. All right. So let's shift gears here a little bit, Chris. Damn, I keep using these trucking analogies <laughs> accidentally. Uh, okay. They're so good though. I know. They, what What else do we get from I trucking that I have know. no idea about? Okay. But I want to talk about this uh, idea that we've skirted around a little bit, the cost benefit analysis that yes, everything you've heard is true and that it's all stressful and all that stuff, but there's a lot of reward that comes along with it. Also, tell me a little bit about uh, the rewards, the possible benefits that we can see or that you have seen from starting your own trucking company. So when I think about that, I, I think for me anyway, there are three really big rewards. One is freedom, two, pride of ownership, and three, just plain the understanding that I'm setting myself up for financial success. I'm setting myself up for something bigger and greater later on down the road. I, I get a lot of joy and and self-satisfaction know that i'm building that foundation building something yeah yeah yeah. i I can understand that so but the first thing i want to dive into these uh, individually a little bit you said freedom uh which seems self-explanatory but tell me what you mean when you say that it gives you more freedom i want to be a king of analogies now so i'm gonna i'm gonna compare this to be to home ownership, which I think is something that people can relate a little bit better to. They understand most people either have owned a home or have been around it enough that they, they understand what 
what home ownership kind of means. Yeah, I mean, I own a home and I, so when I went from a renter to a homeowner, I guess, okay, so I'm following your analogy here. I felt a little bit, you feel a little bit trapped in that, oh gosh, I'm responsible for this whole thing and I've got to make sure that this house doesn't fall apart, the yard's got to be okay, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, it's, I, I can do whatever I want with this. This house is mine. Yeah, it's, it's kind of part of, when you, when people talk about the American dream, typically home ownership's a big, big piece of that. And, and really for a lot of different reasons, I think freedom is a big part of that. You know, when you think about the United States, it's really what freedom is really what the United States was built on. It's, it's kind of the foundation. I think for most of us that, that live here, whether you, you know, your, your lineage goes back centuries or you immigrated into the U S people come here because of the freedom and the opportunities that it provides. We, we really value that whole freedom thing. Um, and, and when you own your own home, <laughs> now I want that on a t-shirt. We really value, uh, <laughs> that, that whole freedom, freedom thing. thing. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go on, go on. <laughs> now you've made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> what going back to the whole freedom thing, you know, this is the same thing with home ownership versus renting. You know, when you own your own home, you have a lot of freedom that you don't, when you, when you rent, you can paint the walls, any color you want a pink for you. Right, Craig. Correct. And you can have pets. You can tear out the lawn and plant a garden. If you want to, you don't have to go and ask somebody and you can just go out and do it. You have that freedom that you just don't, if you rent. And I think it's a lot, the same thing as being an owner operator. You get to choose where you go. You get to choose what kind of truck you want to drive, where you want to fuel, what routes you want to take. You just have a whole lot of freedom as an owner operator that you don't as an employee driver. And, you know, for me, when I was, you know, my main objective as an owner operator was to make a lot of money. So I typically ran as hard as I possibly could while I was out on the road. Then when I got home, I take some time off and just, you know, kind of kept repeating that cycle. If, if you have a little bit different idea of what freedom is and, and what you want out of your business, you can tweak that and you can change that. Maybe you want to go visit different places and do your 34 hour resets and, in other parts of the country. I mean, you have that freedom to do things the way that you want when you are an owner operator. With all that being said, um, we have this freedom within reason, right? Within a certain framework, which is kind of, again, the point of this podcast is to provide a framework for someone to build a a trucking company around, right? So it's not, it's not, oh, you, you finally, you're free to do whatever you want and just expect to make money, right? You still have to be disciplined within that, uh, within reason, within reason. Absolutely. It is a business and you have to be able to make money at it, but you've got some latitude. As long as you're making good sound business decisions overall, you're going to have some latitude about how you go about doing that. And you know, that's a very big possibility as an owner operator. Yeah. Now the second thing you said, the second benefit that you've seen, you said pride of ownership. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that. Yeah, I'm not sure everyone feels as strongly as I do about this, but I really like the feeling of knowing I own something and that it's mine and that no one can take it away from me. You're, you're like Gollum. <laughs> yeah. This company is your precious. It is my precious. Yep. Uh, you know, owning something, whether it's a piece of property or a business is, is just, it's, it's very satisfying. Maybe it's kind of cheesy, but when I have friends over, I like knowing that I'm entertaining them at my own home. So I, I guess you could say I'm a prideful person. Well, you know, Chris, let me give you a 45 second diversion okay because i'm a fluent french speaker and any other french speakers out there will know that there are two different words for pride and one of them is the pride that makes you a jerk 
And one of them is the pride that you have, like when your kid performs well at the piano recital or something so, like so that. So which one am I? You, the second one. Okay, That's fine. Good. That's I'm not fine. The jerk. La fierté, Chris. <laughs> You're good. You're fine. All right. Sweet. That makes me feel better. <laughs> and really, either way, I mean, I only keep you around to make me look less prideful <laughs> well, by comparison. I'm glad I'm good for something. <laughs> So my, you know, my businesses are kind of that same way. I just, I feel a huge sense of accomplishment, you know, of that good pride and, and just knowing that what I'm doing is benefiting my company and not somebody else's company. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. It's the same thing with renting and home, home ownership, right? It's uh, either way you're paying something every month, but uh, in one case you're paying everything to somebody else. And in another case, you're building your own wealth, right? Yeah. So, and I find it interesting uh, if we go to the last reward that you mentioned. You said it's the understanding that you were, what, setting yourself up for big financial success, right? It's that laying that foundation that you were talking about. Um, and you didn't say, what you didn't say is that you have achieved financial success, which I, I found interesting because the first year went pretty well, right? You made some money. It did. So how come that isn't, how come you're talking about a foundation instead of the money that you made? Because I, I really feel like this is kind of where I want to emphasize again, that this is not a get rich quick scheme. I, I didn't pull any of that money out. So, you know, in my day to day living, it didn't feel like I made much of a difference in, in my ability to spend more money. You know, it just, it, it, it was kind of the same, but I was setting up that foundation so that I'll be able to have those benefits later on down the road. You know, one of the things that somebody told me a long time ago is that if you want to be successful, one of the things that you have to live by is you, let's see if I can remember this right. Um, you need to be willing to make the sacrifices most people won't so that you can live like most people can't. And that's really what this boils down to is I'm making the sacrifices now. I'm keeping that money in the business to make a good, strong foundation so that later on down that road, the road, that business will be strong and will be able to make me the kind of money that will give me the kind of lifestyle and the kind of opportunity that most people just will never have because they aren't willing to make those sacrifices early on. They aren't willing to put up with that stress and the headaches and the all those things that kind of come along with the home the, that ownership. You know, especially that first year of business, it's it's just it's tough. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And okay, so you mentioned speaking of building a foundation that the first year is all about uh, about a few of those things. Tell me a little bit about what those are, that how to build that foundation. Well, that, that first year, you're just really, you're establishing yourself. So your main goals really, I, I look at it as three things, you know, building a savings, developing relationships and developing a system. Oh, hang on, hang on, Chris, can you hear that? That's the sound of a future episode in the making. I, I think that will be a, a, a good episode in the future. We'll have, to, we'll have to keep that one in mind. So stay tuned. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a good one. Okay, so let's talk numbers then. Okay, yeah, my, this is the my part favorite part. Everybody's been waiting for, I've been waiting for is let's talk numbers, how things went in the first year. And I will mention, I believe that this will all be on the in the full show notes, it will right? Be. So you can go to the full show notes, look up episode 54. I'm going to have a consolidated profit and loss statement and a, a balance sheet for the that whole first year. And you'll be able to see all these numbers and, and more. All my total fuel expenses, my maintenance expenses, just everything in, in pure detail right there for everybody to see. Yeah. So there should be a link to the full show notes in, you know, whatever you're listening to this on, whether it's in iTunes or Spotify or whatever, there should be a link there. But if not, uh, if you don't see that, go to hollandassetsllc.com 
and follow along because hearing the numbers is one thing, but if you can hear them and see them at the same time, it's even more impactful. So I would encourage everybody to do that. Okay, Chris, whew, now that that's out of the way, let's talk numbers. Where are we at? Well, so for the first year, I ran a total of 109,636 miles. That's a lot of miles. That is a lot of miles. So how many, that's uh, what, 30-ish trips across the U.S.? Yeah, at least. Yeah, it's a, it was a lot of a lot of driving, that's for sure. That's pretty good. So would you say that's uh, kind of uh, normal, what somebody could expect? I, I would say that's probably actually a little bit on the low end. If you, Because you remember, right, I, I had to take a lot of time off in that first year, four yeah. weeks because of my guard duty. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later on down the road because of um, just kind of the impact, the financial impact that that had. But four weeks off because of National Guard duty, three weeks off because of the blown engine. Um, and then there was another couple weeks here and there on top of that. So they had a, a big impact. So in reality, you should be able to do between 125 and $150,000 miles, miles in a year. Well, speaking of dollars, then the number that we're all, you know, kind of drum roll waiting to hear, how much money did you make this year? So the total revenue um, coming in was a little over 200000 $202,405. Okay, not bad. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds not bad to me, at least, as far as revenue. But revenue is not the only number that we care about. Because it's we not have the to most about, important number. Right. It's an important number, but definitely not the most important. Uh, but then tell me about, uh, what, what does that make your rate per mile? So the rate per mile was $1.84 a mile. And how much, because this is this is where we get into the important stuff, the cost per mile was what? $1.55. Which is less than your rate per mile, which means you made money. It is. Right. Yep. It is, am I, okay, you, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but it seems like that's it, right? That's a little bit of a, a simplification, but you know, ultimately, yeah, that's right. Okay, very good. So what do you what do you like about these numbers? What do you find encouraging? Let's start with the positive this time, Chris. What do you find encouraging <laughs> about these numbers? Um, you know, let's talk about the cost per mile. When I originally, originally um, calculated my cost per mile, and just as a reminder, you can go to motorcarrierhq.com and there is a tool that will help you calculate your estimated cost per mile. Um, my original estimate was $1.53. And you so said it was 155 in the end? It was 155 is what it was spread out over the that okay. first year. So, so that's that, pretty close. I, I was surprised how close it was. Yeah. And in episode 20 is when we talk more about the cost per mile and and the different things that are in it. But um, if you also remember at that point, I when we had that episode, episode 20, um, I had about three months worth of data and I ca calculated my cost per mile during that first three months as $1.67. So it's kind of nice to see that... Um, over time, I've been able to whittle that down a little bit. And, and if I would have been able to run harder that first year, if I would have gotten closer to that 150,000 miles, my um, cost per mile would have been even lower because those fixed costs, and we talk about that in episode 20, the difference between fixed cost and variable cost, those fixed costs would have been spread out over more miles. And so my overall cost per mile would have been even lower. Wow. Okay. So anything else you want to pull out of that? Um, let's talk a little bit about my all-in rate because I kind of have mixed feelings about that. You have to remember your, your all-in rate per mile being what one eighty-seven, one eighty-four was one eighty-four. Yeah, one eighty-four. Yeah, okay, so that one eighty-four, I have some mixed feelings about. Overall, I'm happy with it because you have to remember this is your first year, especially those first ninety days. It's really hard to find brokers that will allow you to haul loads for them. Once you hit the year mark, just about any broker will let you haul for them. So. 
um, that limits you. So it makes it so you, you're usually not getting the top paying loads and, and all that kind of thing. So $1.84, obviously it was good enough to make money, but I really over time want to work that up to closer to $2 a mile. You can make $2 a mile. I mean, that's when you really start getting excited, you know, as an owner operator, if you can, if you can manage those expenses and keep them down lower in that, you know, that $1.60 range, um, and, and then you can make $2 a mile, you're, you're talking, you're getting into that territory of six-figure income as an owner-operator. Not bad. Not, not just total revenue, but you, what you actually can bring home to your house and pay your rent with. And somebody who is, uh, who is not starting out the same way you did, somebody who's been driving for a while already, are they going to have a head start? Um, or is it, it's not dependent on how long you've been driving. It's dependent on how long the company has been in business. There's, there's both factors. There are some benefits that you'll get if you've been driving for a long time. Um, your, your insurance is going to be cheaper. There's, there's some benefits there, but for the most part, it's the company. Yeah. So they, that's going to affect your insurance as well. Um, that's going to affect what brokers will let you haul for them, how good of rates you're going to be able to get from brokers. It just gives you some more negotiating power. Nice. Okay. Uh, and then there is, of course, the most important number, lest we forget. Uh, we've talked about revenue, 202000 and change. What was your actual profit for the business? So the profit was $32,204.76. And that's after paying yourself, right? That's paying- after paying myself as a driver. Yeah. So that's the profit that's left over. Not in bad. The company. So thirty-two grand. That's a, that's a few happy meals on the road or, or a peanut M&M's for you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a few packages of peanut M&M's. Yeah, absolutely. That Very make, nice. Make my belly happy. <laughs> so you made a profit, Chris. So we made a profit. That's the exciting part. Even though it's the toughest time, you know, the toughest years, typically the first year, we were still able to turn a profit, which a lot of brand new companies aren't able to do. So um, that's exciting. Yeah, very good. So anything else you want to talk about with these numbers? Yeah, you know, I just kind of want to remind everyone that the profit and loss statement and the balance sheet are going to be included as, in the show notes, as, as you talked about. And so I just, I'd highly encourage everyone to go check those out at hollandassetsllc.com so that you can kind of see the details um, regarding the revenues and, and expenses. It's super educational, especially if you're thinking about doing that. You can kind of use some of my numbers that we're talking about here and you can plug those and make tweaks in into the um, startup cost calculator, into the rate per mile calculator that we've got on motorcarrierhq.com website. And, and it'll, it'll help you kind of hone in and get an idea of what it might cost you to do your own business. All right, final numbers thoughts then, Chris. Just one more really quick thing. If you've been following the monthly profit and loss statements that I've been giving, um, this one's a little bit different. And that's because it's, one, it's it's consolidated. But if you go down to the bottom, you'll see that there is the net income. And then there's another section that's titled other expenses that's usually not there. And, and you mean in, on, the, on the monthly on ones? On the monthly ones, yeah. Okay. So it's on this one, but n- not normally on... The monthly ones, and that's because that includes the um, depreciation expense for my truck and trailer. So the cool thing about a depreciation expense is it's really not cash that's coming out of your pocket; it's purely a tax benefit. The simplified version is that because the, of the depreciation expense, even though I made over a little a little over thirty two thousand dollars, the IRS is only going to tax me on seventeen thousand nine hundred ninety two dollars of that. And that's really one of the beauties of owning a business is you get that tax benefit and a lot of other tax benefits that you don't get as a company driver. So even though um, you may be making more money to the IRS, it doesn't appear so much and, and you're not paying quite as much in taxes. 
Oh, sorry. Are you done talking about taxes yet? <laughs> I, uh, I passed out a little bit there. That was a good snort. You, you said taxes and I just... Uh, uh, yeah. You immediately tuned out. <laughs> okay. So, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, taxes. This is, this is the important stuff, honestly. It's the stuff that I find incredibly boring, but just because you find it boring doesn't mean it's not important and doesn't mean it can't help you be successful in I'll, your business to know up, that stuff. Yeah, I'll, and I'll put up with a little bit of boring if it means I can save some money. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way to think of it. Okay, so... I've got a question for you. Uh, we have got two groups that tend to listen to this podcast, uh, and we know this from the comments. Thank you for the comments. Thank you. Keep them coming. And the uh, reviews on iTunes and elsewhere. Now, the two groups, we've got guys who want to be owner-operators and guys who want to eventually grow their business into a fleet, right? So the ones that just kind of want the freedom out on the road, I want my own thing, want to do my own thing, and then the others who say, you know what, I do want to make a really pretty penny at this and build a larger organization. Uh, so how is this first year going to be different for those two types of groups or, or will it? Um, yeah, it, it, I actually think it will be different for those two groups. Um, that, well, not the first year is not different. The first year for those two groups really needs to be about the same. But after that first year, you're going to see, see things, um, change a little bit. You're going to kind of see those two groups go down two different paths. Yeah. Oh, okay. So first year, take uh the first 50 episodes of holland assets as your bible yeah uh, and <laughs> and then after that you say it kind of separates a little bit elaborate on that for me so as an owner operator really all you need to do after that first year or during that first year is you're just trying to build up that savings cushion and it's kind of your emergency fund in case something happens um, once you've got a good, um, savings built up. So when, when I say a good savings, I think you should have at least one or two months worth of operating costs in the business. So if it, if your normal monthly expenses are $15,000, then you should have at least $15,000 of savings just sitting there just as a, as a, just in case, um, even better would be two months. So fifteen, thirty thousand $30,000 worth of, of that savings. Once you've got that built up as an owner operator, then you can really start taking out the profits and using the profits in your, in your personal life and doing with them, whatever, the, whatever it is that you want to do with your profits. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah. And, and for some people using those profits may be just about uh, increasing their own lifestyle, but for others, it might be about reinvesting in, and uh, building the business and hiring drivers and you yeah. know, building up a fleet, right? Yep. So if you're, if you're that owner operator and, and you've got it say, set, you've got the savings built up, then you can go, then you can go buy that nice new fancy truck. You can, you know, spend that money however you want. If you want to build it into a fleet and you want to add more trucks, you're going to take that extra profit once you've got that savings built up and you're going to reinvest it. You're going to go buy another truck. You're going to go buy another trailer. You're going to maybe maybe buy a new truck instead of having the the older used ones. There's you know there's different ways that you can spend that money to help your fleet grow, um, but that's what you're going to use most of that profit for at that point is just to to help you grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, we promised the people a long episode and dug on it have we delivered <laughs> we've so, accomplished let's uh let's start the process of wrapping this up a little bit and uh i i want to go back and summarize a little bit of what you've talked about essentially your first year on the road if i'm if i'm hearing it right it's all been just about building up that foundation and it's great that you made money but even if you hadn't made money even if the the business had lost a little bit of money that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a disaster and uh, you, you can still be laying that foundation and building the habits, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. You could, I mean, you can lose a little bit of money that first year. Obviously, that's not ideal, but as long as you're getting that that foundation set up and and you know you're going to be able to use that as a launching point for bigger and better things down the road, you're still you're still ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you a, a really blunt question here. Uh, sorry if it's a little bit too blunt, but is it worth it? Has it been worth it for you? You talked about the stress. You talked about the financial rewards. You know, you're not paying yourself an exorbitant amount of money out of this or anything. So in your mind, is it worth it? You know, that's, that's a really good, that's like a soul searching deep question. That that's, I, that's what I do, Chris. You, know, you, you that's, I guess that's why you're the interviewer and I'm not. <laughs> um, but if I had to take a, a, an honest look at it and look at all the difficulties and everything I've been through and kind of where the company is right now versus where it was a year ago, I, I'd say yes. I mean, we made money. Um, which a lot of companies are not able to say and do their first year. And and like I said earlier, there's a price to success. I haven't yet achieved the success that I hope to be able to achieve at some point, but I feel like I've, I've really started to pay that price. I've invested money. Um, I've invested a lot of time. It's been super stressful at times. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to have to keep kind of paying some of those costs, but Usually that first year is the hardest and I feel like we're really in good shape. I feel like we've got that good foundation set up so that we can catapult and have an even better second year and our level of success will just kind of continue to grow and grow. So this whole episode has kind of been one long advice session, right? It's uh, been recapping your experience, but also talking about advice. But I, I wanted to ask you that specifically uh, if you had one piece of advice to impart here at the end for somebody looking to get started on this, what would it be? Well, if, if they haven't already, I'd encourage somebody to go back and listen to every episode of the podcast that we've launched so far. Um, we've just had one of our fans leave a message saying that he discovered us and listened to all, all the episodes in like two or three days. Oh, no way. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, kind of, kind of crazy. <laughs> Please don't do that. Uh, that's, that's just way too much Craig and Chris. <laughs> My um, my voice is okay, but you know, listen to your voice for that long, it's, that might wear on the ears, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I am I am to be consumed in small doses. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of where I would start, and and then I I kind of you know listen to the list the challenges that that I've talked about that I've gone through. Um, use the startup calculator on Motor Carrier HQ to figure out how much money it would that you'd have to put out to to start the business. And then really think about your situation and um, what the benefits of being an owner operator would be for you, what's important to you. And you just kind of use that cost benefit analysis for yourself. You know, take all the challenges, take all the benefits and honestly ask yourself if you're willing to pay that price for the the benefits that you think you'll receive. And, you know, I've, I've said this time and time again, you know, deciding into to jumping into being an owner operator is a very personal decision and it's not the right decision for everybody. It, it it kind of takes that special breed like we were talking about a little bit earlier, but I feel like I've created this roadmap. I've given you a a total insight into everything that I've been through, those challenges, the ups, the downs. Um, And and if you listen to all the episodes of the podcast, you're going to hear all that. You're going to see all that. And you know, if, if, if that sounds like something that, that is a, is the right decision for you, then go for it. Yeah. And I mean, your numbers are encouraging, but you've said in the past, I think you even said today that 
it's possible that somebody else could be even more successful than you were in their first year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I really think most guys should be able to, because they, they aren't going to face some of the big challenges that, that I have. One, you know, learning how to drive a truck. <laughs> there is that. There is that. I, <laughs> I, when I showed up and picked up that first load, I had never driven a truck with a load on it before. So that, that was the really? first time. Yeah. And wow. I'd, I'd gone through CDL school, but you're always hauling an empty trailer around. So actually driving with a load on, that was the very first time I'd done it. I, I, like I said before, I didn't know how to slide my tandems when I showed up at the first place. You know, those, are, those are challenges that, that other guys just aren't going to have to deal with. Right, right. So what other challenges do you think you ran into that other people might not have to deal with? Well, I think probably the biggest challenge, especially the one that had the greatest impact on, on the finances was the fact that I had to park the truck a lot because of my National Guard service. One, every time I had a drill on a weekend, I'd have to be back. So that often interrupted trips and and made trips shorter than they would have been. Or otherwise. made you take a, a load that you might not have otherwise. Exactly, because I had to take a lower paying load to get back in time time for drill. And then also just kind of because of the way my drill schedule work in that 12 month period, I actually had to do two of my annual training. So I had the truck parked for a total of four weeks, two weeks each time at two different points in that 12, in that 12 months. And, and that had a, a really big impact. Yeah. I mean, that's almost 10% of your year, right? If we're talking four out of 52 weeks, that's uh, that's a big percentage. Yep. And that's on top of the 10 days that I had it parked while I was on vacation and another three weeks while it was parked while the engine was getting worked on. Um, and, and that was during the most profitable time of the year. I, that engine rebuild happened the end of November through the beginning of December. And, you know, just to kind of give an idea using some back of the napkin math, if you take the four weeks of my guard duty out and then three weeks while the truck was having the engine repaired and the first week of April last year, because I didn't take my first load until the second week of April, I really only ran 44 weeks during that first 12 months. So if you kind of divide my total revenue of $202,000, that averaged out to be about $4,600 a week. So if you multiply that by four, the four weeks I missed from drill, I missed out, or because of my annual training, I missed out on over $18,000 of revenue because of those four weeks. So it would have been more like 220000 yeah, for that at, first year. At, at least. Just Potentially. With, yep, just with those four weeks. And if you kind of remember back to my episode 20 on that cost per mile, when we were talking about that, my fixed cost per mile came in at $0.48 cents a mile. And those costs for that year were really already covered. So that 18,000 miles would have been super profitable. And I kind of estimate that that would have been about another $7,000 in profit um, out of that 18,000 bucks. So it, it that definitely had a big impact onto that, that bottom line. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. So uh, Chris, looking forward into the future, what's coming up next for you then for hauling assets? Well, I plan on continuing to share the experience, you know, keeping the business going, um, improving what I've been doing and, and just making the business better and stronger and, and really continuing to give insight to, to people that are either doing this already or thinking about doing it and just hopefully, you know, continuing to teach some good business principles and, and helping people be more successful in their journey. Very good. So let's finally kind of wrap this up. We're actually hitting that hour mark now. So this is by far the longest episode we've ever done. But uh, wrap it up for me then. If you wanted to just give one final parting thought, what would it be for the first year in business? 
Um, it's, it's, it's been a good year. It's been a challenging year, but we've made money. And, and I really feel like, you know, the whole reason of doing this is to help guys that think they may want to go down this journey. And, and I really feel, like I said before, I think I've, I've built a pretty good blueprint, um, that people can follow a pretty good map to show them good things to do. And, and I don't think there's any reason if somebody wants to do that, they can't follow that, that map and do the same thing for themselves. Um, and, and have at least as good a success as I did and potentially even better success because of some of those challenges that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope everybody who has listened up to this point, um, boy, if you've made it an hour into this episode, you know, hopefully you got something out of this episode, but if you've been listening to us for a while, I hope that you have enjoyed the first year of Chris's experience and that you've learned something from that. Uh, if so, again, please leave us those reviews, leave us the comments. We do love hearing from you uh, and any ideas of stuff that you would like us to cover in the future. We want to hear all of that. Uh, so thank you so much for being with us for this first year. And if you're just joining us for the first time, then again, I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of those older episodes from the beginning and uh, and enjoy that journey yourself. Uh, now we're going to we're going to finish this episode. This is done. OK, it's done. But if you look down at the little timer on your podcast thing, you'll see there's a, a few extra minutes because uh, we're going to run through just a few, you know, make fun of Chris moments. <laughs> some of the some of the, the stuff, the funny stories from my Chris's rookie first, mistakes. Yeah, your rookie mistakes from the first year. So if you care to hang around for that, then uh, we'll do that here after the music. But again, thanks, everybody, for listening. HollandAssetsLLC.com is where you can go for full show notes. You can also visit MotorCarrierHQ.com to see some of the tools that Chris has talked about on this episode and others. So we hope to see you in both of those places. And uh, yeah, unless you stick around for a few more minutes of Chris being an idiot, then uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> hey, and if if you're going to stick around and listen to this uh, Chris being an idiot piece um, and you, you get a, a good little laugh or two out of this a, as payment, uh, go and give me a good ra- a rating on iTunes or <laughs> wherever you listen to the podcast, rate the podcast. Tell us what you think. We, I, I love reading those. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right, Chris, it wasn't just sunshine and roses, was it? No, I, I did some stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> what's your, what's it? I, I'm trying to decide right now if I want to start with what was the stupidest thing you did, or maybe we work up to that. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I'm speechless. I can't, I can't even say there, there were some dumb things. How about, how about what were some of your favorite good experiences? Okay. We're going to start with that and then we'll work into the, uh, making fun of Chris portion of the, of the episode. You know, just overall being able to see so much of the country was probably my, really my favorite thing about driving a truck. Favorite uh, state or region to drive through? Um, I, I like driving through probably two of them. Um, going up into Montana was beautiful up I-15. amazing uh, um partially up i-15 and then up i think it's i want to say 287 or 191 mm. going up kind of uh northwest yellowstone just yeah, yeah. absolutely beautiful past the uh, like rexburg and yeah uh, well, even way higher than that yeah sure going up into um just kind of the west side of uh yellowstone okay very beautiful. nice so that yeah. was pretty and then the smokies and um in the east, the southeast okay. were absolutely beautiful as well. Smoky Mountains. Very nice. Uh, okay, so yeah, anything else? Any other good experiences you want to talk about? I'm, I'm just really eager to get to the making fun of you part. So yeah, talk about whatever good stuff you want. Let's get it over with. <laughs>
Let's just go. Let's just dive right into the rookie mistake. Start making fun of Chris. Rip the Band-Aid off. All right. So you mentioned not knowing how to slide your tandems. I don't know if I should be embarrassed, but I have no idea what that means. Well, the trailer, the, it's it's got the set of wheels, right, on sure. the trailer. You can slide those all the, all the way to the back of the trailer or about not maybe a third of the way towards the front. Hmm. So you've got all this latitude and you kind of use that to adjust your weight. And then when you're typically at a dock unloading or loading, you want them slid all the way to the back. So when the forklift drives onto the trailer, it's not bouncing up and down quite as bad. And it's, it's a little bit easier on the, on the trailer and the the forklift. And you did not know how to do this. I did not know how to do it when I showed up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I recall something about um, you had some adventures in backing in, uh, your first few times out, right? Yeah, well, it probably lasted more than just the first few times. Yeah, Ma- making a fool of myself trying to back into some really tight docks. Or what was oftentimes even worse was when you're at truck stops trying to back in because they're really tight and there's like 50 million people watching you do it. And there's guys <laughs> waiting to like travel through a certain area and you're trying to back in. And yeah, it's just, it's that talk about pressure. Yeah. And yeah, embarrassment. Like crazy And embarrassment, but it's, there's so many nice people out there. When people typically see you struggling backing in, they come out and they watch for you, they help you, they give you pointers. And so that, that was always really cool to see people helping each other out. That's, that's awesome. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah. What else did you do? Um, I overfilled my tanks. Remember there was one time where I had a really <laughs> right. heavy load and I, I couldn't fill my tanks all the way up. Well, I, I'd, I'd probably been traveling for at least two days and had to have had fueled two times and, and done everything right. And then the last time I have to fuel, I'm just not even thinking. I'm just filling the truck up. And the next thing I know, I realize after I've fueled the truck, I filled it all the way up. My drives are overweight. And uh-huh. so I ended up, luckily it was in Utah. I had my dad come out and meet me at a truck stop and we siphoned like 40 or 50 gallons of fuel out of no the truck. Way. Into, yeah. into like the little five-gallon tanks? Into the little five-gallon, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's too funny. Fuel cans. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You, I recall you had to chain your tires at one point going through Oregon. And uh, how did that go? Was there anything embarrassing there? Um, luckily, not really anything too embarrassing other than it took me a lot longer than it should have because that was the first time I'd, I'd watched YouTube videos. You know, yeah. You know, luckily, I'd watched some YouTube videos. So I, I had a general idea of how to do it. And I, you know, I'm a fairly mechanically inclined person. So I, I was able to get them on. They worked really well um, other than I'd, I'd put the um, the bands on that kind of keep them tight. I'd put those on backwards, but it, it, it didn't didn't hurt anything so was would you say that your speeding ticket was a rookie mistake or was that just a mistake um it was a little bit of a rookie mistake because it wasn't a really stupid spot you know it's kind of in one of those areas where you're going in and out of towns and they caught me right as the speed limit went from like 55 to 45 and i just plain wasn't paying enough attention and wasn't slowing down fast enough and got pulled do they over. do uh, do cops are they quicker to bust uh a big rig for something like that. Well, versus- this guy was because he was a. I mean, he was a. Uh, a lot of states have guys that are specifically out there to target big rigs. The, the guys mm-hmm. that can do the safety inspections and everything like that. So he was a a commercial motor vehicle specific police officer. Interesting. Yeah, he was looking for a guy like me. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, I'm. Ju- I guess I'm just thinking of from the perspective of a cop. You know, if you're enforcing the speed limits in those towns where you're going in and out of the towns, like. Your your stop distance is a lot bigger than my Mazdas, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it is at so whatever you, speed. So and, and they there there's some reason behind that. I mean, those, those trucks don't stop on a dime, so you got to be careful with your speed. But yeah, he uh, 
he didn't give me any favors that's for sure yeah what other rookie mistakes you got for us um you know i i I ended up going through a trailer tire a lot faster than i should have because i had one blow and i and i didn't know any better and the guy that replaced the tire put a mismatched tire tread on it so one of the tires was you know like a an inch wider because the tread hadn't been worn down so much and it just beat the heck out of that tire really so yeah it, it, it wore the tire out in like a month well I, I guess when i say really i'm thinking the shop did that yeah <laughs> jeez it, it, it was pretty bad maybe not the best shop no uh okay anything else chris shall we uh wrap it up that, that that's kind of all of them luckily none of them were too bad no accidents none of the big things didn't cost me a huge amount of money but uh, lessons learned nonetheless i suppose so i mean i uh, look I, I guess I could make a little bit of fun of you, but I don't feel like I've got enough <laughs> ammo. So I'll be watching for a year two to I'm, see. I'm sure there will probably be more. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, Chris, I'll see you next week then. See you later.